0: Hello again, we're just about ready to hit the track, so please make sure your safety belts are securely fastened, as they always should be in your vehicle.
1: This is Tower. Launch sequence engaged. George Washington. John Adams. Thomas Jefferson.
0: I love them crazy planets. Yeah. WDW Radio, your information
1: station. Welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. This is show number 51 for the week of January 27th, 2008. I'm your host, Lou Mangello, and I want to thank you for tuning in again this week. Unexpected circumstances have prevented me from producing a regular show this week with a variety of different segments, however, this is going to be a great opportunity to answer many of your listener emails that cover a broad range of topics, so Jeff Pepper is going to join me as we answer your questions together. Next week's show is going to return to the regular format, so sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. I thought we would take this opportunity to go through some of your emails and listener feedback. And so I wanted to welcome back from his whirlwind tour of logo conventions, mall openings, and kissing babies on the campaign trail, Jeff Pepper. Jeff, welcome back.
0: Hey, buddy. It's been a while. Long time, long time. I'll tell you.
1: Your fan missed you. Yeah, (laughs) I I understand he emailed you every week. (laughs) Thanks, George. <laughs> well, you keep those checks coming. I'm sure he'll keep emailing me. But I thought it would be fun if we could um, address some of these emails together because they've unfortunately been piling up. And um, Let's try and get through as many as we can tonight. What do you say? Our first email is from Andrew over in England who writes, Hey, Lou, love the show. It gives me a touch of magic as I make the dreary commute to and from work every weekday. And from your, and other guests on WDW Radio's recommendations, I've booked my girlfriend and I in a, into a two-week stay at Port Orleans French Quarter this coming August for a surprise trip as a birthday gift. Nice gift. This will be our third year in a row making the trek over the Atlantic, and I'd like to make it somewhat special. I'll be booking the Keys to the Kingdom tour, again based on your recommendation, and I thought I might as well go on an all-out Lou-sponsored trip Lou sponsored trip that doesn't mean I'm paying for it just to Lou maybe it's a Lou recommended trip by asking if you have any recommendations for great places to eat aside from the premier restaurants that I already have in mind Cinderella's Royal Table La Cellier, Coral Reef Yak and Yeti and a Teppanyaki Japan place wow somebody's been on the phone with ADR early in the morning I was thinking about maybe Victoria and Albert's but was put off by the idea of spending over $90 per person on something which we might not even like with it being a set menu I know it's gourmet food, but it has all, is it all bizarre stuff, like stuffed quail eggs and hummus, or is it something more edible? I'd really appreciate your help on this. Thanks for the great shows, and keep up the awesome work in helping us all have a little bit of magic every week. Andrew, Andrew, thank you, and like you said, you've hit um, some of the, definitely the top restaurants in Walt Disney World. But as I talked about it um, a number of shows ago, we ate at... My wife and I ate at Victorian and Albert's uh, with some friends of ours one evening. And, yes, it's expensive. You're going to spend probably 90 to maybe $150 if you do the wine pairings on dinner. But it is by far, in my opinion, the best dining experience I've ever had anywhere. You'll spend three to four hours there. Um, the food is not crazy. There's no stuffed quail eggs that I saw on the menu. And you can choose from a number of different items. So even though it's a, pri- a fixed uh, item item, menu there's a number of different choices and the chefs will also accommodate any kind of restrictions that you might have and things that you don't want or can't eat um, if you're able to do it if you really want to go all out and make this something incredibly special then i would say you know try and save if you can put that money aside and i'm, and I'm sure you won't be disappointed jeff have you ever eaten at v not
0: have not have done it yet we have children and it's it was just never anything we could work around um But one day, I definitely look forward to doing it. But let me throw in a couple things real quick. He mentioned Yak and Yeti, and I know I mentioned it to you. Uh, We just came back from a trip last week, and it was our first time at Yak and Yeti. And I know you've talked about it, and Glenn has reviewed it on the show. I just got to throw in that it is one of the best dining experiences I've ever had at Walt Disney World. The food was some of the best food I've ever had I mean, it was a really great experience and the atmosphere is wonderful the details and everything so just big endorsement there I noticed he did mention that one and one he didn't mention and it's one of my very very favorite favorites and we just ate there as well um, this past weekend was uh, Boma uh, Boma is one of my family's very very favorite restaurants to the point where we do it every trip and uh, we just hung out with uh, Jessica from uh, if you can dream it blog there um, this past weekend and had a great time
1: yeah, it's a great point. I love Boma as well. I actually like Boma, I think, better than Jiko. Um, you can find a lot of the same uh, items on the menu there. Boma's a little bit more casual than Jiko. So, yeah, if he's looking for another uh, good dining recommendation, Boma's a great idea. So the next email comes from Chris, who says, Congratulations on another fantastic episode of the WDW radio show. I think your interview with Dr. Ann Savage from Disney's Animal Kingdom's Wildlife Tracking Center Mark, another landmark event for your show. It's great to hear about the far-reaching impact that the Walt Disney Company is making on conservation and the environment. And now for something completely different. Listening to your 2007 recap show, it reminded me of a question I wanted to ask your opinion on. There's another aspect of the recent Nemo additions to Walt Disney World that I'm not sure I've heard discussed. Specifically, do you think that having two rather different Nemo-based attractions in two different theme parks adds to the potential confusion for the casual resort guest? Does this lead to well-meaning parents that try to get their little ones to the Nemo ride and end up in the wrong park? I find this similar to guests who might confuse Space Mountain and Spaceship Earth. Again, two very different attractions in two separate theme parks. This is a fact which I think may have been overlooked by those of us who are frequent Walt Disney World visitors. A trip to Walt Disney World can be overwhelming to the casual guest and I wonder if this sort of thing can feel like an unnecessary complication. Your thoughts? Jeff, what do you, what do you say you hit that first? I,
0: I, I don't think so. Um, I think people tend to be a little bit more spontaneous when they're at the parks. Um, you know, the majority of people are coming down for a vacation. They're hitting all the parks. I, I don't think it's quite as attraction-driven as the West Coast with Disneyland and California Adventure. So I, I don't think it's that confusing. And um, I I think, you know, we mentioned on that recap show that we, we felt that part of the motivation in putting uh, the Nemo show um, – in Animal Kingdom might have been as a bit of a draw uh, to bring more people in and it it kind of expand you know the attractions there to keep people in the park a little longer so I I I I would tend to think it's 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 pretty cool I've you know my family's never had a problem or confusion with it.
1: I'm gonna respectfully disagree with you Um, I, I think I think we as frequent fans and people that have been there so many times and do so much research take so much for granted and if you spent time in a queue somewhere or on the monorail or just walking around the park and you hear some of the questions guests guests ask, you sometimes are shocked because it, it's something that you just would assume somebody would know and this is where not preparing for Walt Disney World is the first time or very casual guests, biggest mistake. It's not like going to your local amusement park or theme park. You need to plan. And the one thing I did notice, Jeff, was when I stay on property and I'm watching the local Orlando stations, over the past year or so, they now have a new commercial. And when they talk about Nemo, they're very specific in saying that, you know, now finding Nemo, that there's there's two attractions in two separate theme parks. Because I think maybe people were going to... And you know what? If, if somebody's going down there and their kid is dying to see the Nemo ride... And they end up in Animal Kingdom, and their kid is not all that enthusiastic about sitting through a 45-minute show. Um, that can make for, for an awful little bit of time for mom and dad. So um, it probably doesn't happen all that often, but I would guess it probably happens here and there. And um, I'd love for a cast member to weigh in on that and see how many people maybe go up to them and say, Hey, I'm in Animal Kingdom. Where's the Nemo ride?
0: Well, your, your points are well taken. I I will agree with you on that. And and we don't want to open the whole Jeff Kettlefish of, you know, appropriateness to theming and blah, 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 blah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) See that? Three years of law school, baby. Finally paying off. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, Terry Abbott wrote, and her question is, I've heard a rumor about a hard-ticketed Halloween event next year at the studios. Any updated information on that? We love the special events, and we'll be attending our sixth Mary, Mickey's Very Merry Christmas per, Party uh, in December of this year. Great to meet you, Terry Abbott. Um, Jeff, this is a, a rumor that we discussed a, a long time ago, actually, and this one has been resurfacing for the past two years, but I haven't heard anything updated in the past couple of months on this or not. I think it would be a great addition, an alternative, really, to Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party, not necessarily something like a nightmare before Christmas, but they could do something a little spooky or, or themed a little bit different. Um, would you like to see something at the studios? and if so, what do you think would fit in well there?
0: Oh, absolutely. I think you know on our recap show, I mentioned that I would really like to see I would like to see a nightmare before Christmas hard ticket. Um, event at the studios which that's where so much of the rumors have been you know kind of flying around you know a nightmare before christmas attraction or a hard ticket event my only concern is i gotta say is you know that with pirates and princesses kind of being lukewarm like the reception to it was kind of lukewarm and it hasn't been driving in the crowds that are comparable to uh the halloween or the christmas parties i'm curious you know how they're going to view the hard tickets you know down the line in the future and and the interesting thing is is the a real wild card in there is the fact that they've never tried a hard ticket event anywhere else. Um, it, it's, it's kind of interesting that one of the things is they're moving night of joy. Are they not to the studios? Correct. Correct. Yeah. So that's, that's they're kind of, you know, starting to juggle things into the other parks. So uh, it'd be interesting, you know, what the dynamic is. And, and also the fact that I guess they probably have concerns ultimately though with another, you know, would one Halloween event at the studios cannibalize, you know, The um, Mickey's Not So Scary, and I guess there's a lot they got to weigh out on that. So,
1: let me put this to you: Uh, What would you think of some Halloween-themed events or things going on over at Disney's Boardwalk?
0: I think that that's very good. I I'd never considered something like that, and and you know that's a good point because actually um, I was just talking to a friend about Pleasure Island and how Pleasure Island is taking so long to get jump-started. And, you know, Pleasure Island had a lot going on with it in years past where they would do the New Year's every night kind of thing, which wasn't necessarily a hard ticket, but it had kind of that kind of theming to it. And when you kind of put that in context to doing something at Boardwalk, that would be very, very cool.
1: You know, I would love to take credit for that idea, but (laughs) 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 Um, I can tell you now that a couple of years ago, I actually saw concept art for some proposals of bringing a Halloween event to Disney's Boardwalk, and I don't know how far along, if any, uh, those concepts might be, but it is something that had kind of moved along in the pipeline, and and who knows, maybe it's something we'll see in the future. So that's why I was kind of interested to gauge a reaction on it.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm surprised that, you know, with the fact that there are four theme parks, that that the hard ticket events have been pretty limited to just uh, the Magic Kingdom. All
1: right, the next email comes from Katie from Maine, who said, Lou, I really enjoy your show and began listening over the summer. I'm a college student, and I find that the show is especially helpful when I'm trying to write a paper, but not helpful when I'm trying to fall asleep. You, oh, and Jeff, are funny, and I find myself laughing to myself every time. My boyfriend and I are going to Disney February 16th through the 24th, 2008, and plan on staying at a moderate resort. I was wondering what your best pick for a moderate resort would be, since the only one we stayed at is Port Orleans French Quarter. We looked at Caribbean Beach, and, well, we don't know which one to pick. Out of the four moderates, which one do you prefer, also, what are the crowds and the weather like around this time that we're going? Another question I have is what do you have to do to book a spot for the showing of Fantasmic at the Hollywood Studios? And what's the chance of being able to book a spot when we get to Disney? Or will we have to book ahead of time? Thanks so much. And ever since episode 41, I've had veggie, veggie, fruit, fruit stuck in my head. <laughs> Sorry for the email. hope to hear from you soon, Katie. Katie, thanks for your email. Um, and I'll, we'll hit this in a couple of different ways. First, I want to talk to you about the crowds, uh, because you said you're going February 16th through the 24th, and I will make reference to uh, touringplans.com, which really is the the de facto resource for this kind of information. If you go there and look at the crowd calendar, the 16th, which is a Saturday, uh, through the 24th, which is a Sunday, the crowds range really from eights, nines, and there's a seven thrown in there. So you are going to be looking at um, some pretty heavy-duty crowds, but he'll also tell you which parks you should go to and which ones you should avoid. Uh, as far as pick for the moderate resort, um, I've said this you know numerous times that I love Port Orleans French Quarter. But Jeff, what about you? What's your favorite of the moderates?
0: Uh, the, the interesting thing is, I would agree. I, I, my favorite of the moderates is Port Orleans, but if she's in that zone, you know of of moderates, I wouldn't discount Pop's entry. Um, I in, unless you just really don't like the theming, and you you would prefer the theming of like Caribbean or, or Port Orleans. I, I kind of really consider Pop Century, you know, a step up from from the value resorts. There's a big difference between it and the All-Stars. And and we, my family, has fallen in love with it. And it really, I wouldn't even consider at this point going to a moderate. I'd rather stay at Pop Century right now. But then, like I said, it's a question of theming.
1: Right. And there's a couple of different uh, upgrades in the rooms that you don't have, in addition to room size and things like that. But on the other end of the spectrum, consider this. If you're not locked into a very specific dollar amount. And yes, you can save money if you go to Pop Century for sometimes, depending on when you go for just a few dollars more, you can actually stay in a deluxe resort. And that's Disney's Wilderness Lodge, because that's I hate to say on the lower end, but on the price wise, it is on the lower end of the deluxe resorts. And I have seen prices that are sometimes very comparable to some of the moderate resorts. So if you have a travel agent, contact them or if you're going through Disney, try and get a little, you know, variety of pricing to see what um, all those different resorts might be. And who knows, you might get lucky
0: one thing to just throw in when you just to kind of add to what you said about the crowds um that was president's day weekend correct that's that's what's driving those 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 um attendance numbers
1: i believe so i don't get that holiday off so i don't even know (laughs) (laughs) but
0: what i wanted to throw in is having just come off of visiting at martin luther king weekend um those holiday weekends are becoming bigger and bigger and bigger um the interesting thing was is in the same touring plans the crowd calendars for um, for Martin Luther King weekend, in my opinion, kind of um, under underestimated the crowds. Um, they were very, very, very busy last weekend. And um, I, you're going to see probably a, more or less another spike like that at President's Day.
1: Yeah, it, it's tough when you have to go on a holiday. But with kids and with work schedules, sometimes it's the only way you can do it. But Katie's, the rest of Katie's question was, you asked about booking a spot for a showing of Fantasmic. Now, you don't actually have to book a spot. You can just walk into Fantasmic um, because of the kind of week that you're going and because the crowds. It's one of those weeks that you would have to get there very early. And when I say times like an hour and a half to two hours early, I- I'm not kidding. Now, your other alternative is to book a Fantasmic dinner package at someplace like uh, Hollywood and Vine or the Brown Derby. Now, that'll give you uh, not necessarily reserved seating, but it'll give you seating in a reserved section, which is just so you know, it's not front and center. It's off to the side a little bit, but you're not going to have to wait on that main line. And I'll put some links up in the show notes this week where you can get some more information about the Phantasmic Dinner Package. Um, I- I've heard people, Jeff, say that they think it's a great idea. Some people think it's a waste of money. Um, I think if you do it at some place like Hollywood and Vine, it's nice. It's not going to cost you an arm and a leg extra over what you'd normally pay. And if you don't want to spend all that extra time waiting online, it might be a good option.
0: And we're not a big fan, I know you've spoken to it, Lou, and I, I kind of agree with you that we're not a big fan of electronic devices like DSs or, you know, uh, PlayStation or PSPs or whatever. In this case, waiting for Phantasmic, take your DS.
1: <laughs> <laughs> or you can take your trivia book, you know, just as well. Thanks for helping plug. Um, <laughs> Heather from Pittsburgh wrote, <laughs> Hey Lou, I love the show. I'm hoping you can help me. I'm trying to decide if an annual pass is worth it for me or not. I'm planning a trip for Mother's Day and will most likely make my annual fall trip. I usually go twice a year for four to five days each trip. I stay at a value resort because all I do is sleep at the hotel. I would rather spend the extra money on merchandise. I typically get the meal plan, although now with the gratuities no longer included, I'm not sure that's going to be that easy of a decision. I'm aware that I could purchase the dining card with the annual pass, so that would be an option for the meals. I also have a few days of tickets left that we had added to the non-expiring option, and we could just use them. Do you think it would be worth it to me if I only make it there eight days this year, although I'm always keeping my fingers crossed for more? Thanks for your devotion, and it's great to know that other people, as obsessed as I am, hope to see you at Magic Meets, Heather from Pittsburgh. Heather, uh, offhand, I don't know... What sort of that break even number is for days that you go? It it probably is around nine days, meaning that if you go to Walt Disney World nine days or more in a 365 day year span, then it's definitely worth it for you to purchase the annual pass. You'll definitely save money on tickets. Now, something else to consider too is the additional things that you'll save by having an annual pass. Um, You can get the Disney Dining Experience card, which still saves you 20% at most restaurants. Uh, That also gets you free valet parking at all of the resorts. So if you're going to, um, you know, have a drink over at the Boardwalk, you can valet park for free. Use your Disney Dining Experience card. Um, I think at eight days, maybe what you want to do is take those remaining days on the cards that you have, turn those in for credit towards an annual pass, maybe get the annual pass and see. Who knows? I might even encourage you to visit maybe more than just twice a year. But if you're going four to five days each trip, now you're kind of bordering on 10 days. The annual pass is probably the way to go and you save on merchandise too.
0: And let me just throw in and you can take this as either a pro or a con depending on how you're feeling about it is that when you do get that annual pass, you'll find reasons to go more often. <laughs> 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 um, you know, I got one last year and then it, when my family went down in October, we decided that we would over uh, over the 12 calendar months that we would be be going down over the course of the next year. We were going to take at least two vacations so we just rationalized that that's going to be the way to go similar to what what she was talking about and instead of just doing two now we're going a total of four <laughs> planned it out so like i said it's pro or con you know it, it it's it's going to entice you to go more often and that could be either a good thing or a bad thing depending on what your budget looks like but it's it, it happens
1: yeah but well because now what happens is you're sitting at work and you end up hopping on expedia or JetBlue yeah. or continental <laughs> you're like you know let me just see and we see that fare, and you're like, "Well, wait a minute, I can go $59 each way, and Pop Century's $60, now all of a sudden, I don't have to worry about buying tickets, you know, we can go down for a weekend, and um, yeah, I say get the animal pass. (laughs) (laughs) You
0: won't get much argument from us on that one.
1: (laughs) No. The more trips to Disney, the better. Next email says, hey Lou, I was looking at an aerial photo of Walt Disney World and was surprised to see how close the monorail appears to be to Wilderness Lodge. It doesn't seem to be as close when you're actually riding the monorail, as I recall seeing the rooftop from a distance. And by the way, aren't those aerial photos from Google and others the best? What a great way to see Walt Disney World. Anyway, my question is this. Why didn't Disney put this deluxe resort on the monorail? Could they not have built it a little closer to the monorail and even offer some type of pedestrian walkway to the monorail? It just seems to be so close, and I'm wondering why not try it when they were initially designing it. It seems like a missed opportunity. Any thoughts? And that comes from Joe. Joe, and, Jeff, I have a couple of reasons why I don't... Uh, a few reasons why. Uh, one is cost. Um, the monorail is not as inexpensive as you might think it is to build it, um, especially when you also factor in the cost of adding another spur, adding another station, um, and everything else that goes into that. Number two, I think it would also affect the theming of Wilderness Lodge. I just don't see it fitting in with that rustic, very out-of-the-way theming. When we did our DSI on a uh, Wilderness Lodge, we talked about how as soon as you start going down... Uh, timberline drive you really get the sense that you're in the pacific northwest and that big monorail you know speeding by might sort of ruin that illusion um just a little bit and i think part of its charm is that you have to take a boat for example to the magic kingdom and i think that's that's some of the allure of wilderness lodge
0: yeah i agree i think the isolation like we talked about is a key component Of its design and the other thing is is if you even look at those google photos or the the google maps or whatever to get if they would have actually built the wilderness lodge closer so they wouldn't have had to have extended the track that would have put it right really in the traffic flow going you know they would have had to altered roadways and everything so it would have really been a huge huge construction and they'd have to divert the existing, you know, roadways and the parking lot and everything like that. And and it would have again lost that isolation. So I think that probably had everything to do with it. And and again, when you think about it, to extend the track over to the lodge as where it stands now, they would have had literally had the monorail shut down for an extensive amount of time. So I think those were involved in all the considerations there.
1: Yeah, and I don't I think Wilderness Lodge is one place that I would not foresee a monorail ever being extended to. So Next email is from Andy Shell, who said, Lou, I have two questions. My buddies and I are taking our girlfriends to Walt Disney World the first week in March and one is planning on asking his girl to marry him. We've been trying to come up with some creative ways to help him but not sure what to do. You always talk about buttons for first timers and anniversaries, but is there are any Disney magical engagement things that they do, he'd really appreciate any tips you might have. If this is something you've covered on your show, just direct me to when you did it and what episode number it is. I've heard you say, keep in mind their favorite character. Hers is grumpy but I'm not really sure how to have him incorporated in the proposal. While I'm sure you can't request a character to to be there, do you know where you can find Grumpy in the park? I looked on Steve Soros' website you mentioned a few weeks ago, but I couldn't find him. I've also wondered if you've ever seen a Ludwig von Drake character roaming in the parks. Andy, um, let's take the first part of your question first. Um, Jeff, what do you say? Some creative ways to help him out with his engagements. Okay, so I'll, I'll take this part well, there's, first. Well,
0: there's, the, there's, there's the famous Lou. Oh, no, better
1: not go there, huh? Oh, wow. Yeah, that that's another story for another podcast. But, um, yeah, there, there are a number of creative things you can do. And, you know, one thing you have to factor into this is budget. Because Disney will do just about anything within reason, you know, if, if the money is right. And if you want Grumpy to appear, you know, for your engagement, I'm sure they could make it happen. But... You know, you might not be having a wedding after that. Uh, There are things that they can do. And if you're going to have, if he's going to do something, for example, at a restaurant, you can call ahead. They do do some things where they will prepare a cake with a glass slipper. They'll put the engagement ring in the glass slipper for you. You can call the Disney florist. I know they have a bunch of packages. You can also call the wedding pavilion. And they might be able to provide some ideas or some information about some other things Disney can do or has done in the past. Maybe to give you some ideas. Uh, As far as seeing Grumpy, I have seen him. In fantasyland, but it's been sporadic. He's not one of these characters I see all the time. And I've never seen Ludwig 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 Von Drake um just kind of meandering around the parks, have you? That would be you, Jeff. No, I I never <laughs>
0: have seen him and it, and that's and it's interesting because there's a lot of really obscure characters that come popping out at times that you would never think of, have have been characters uh Clarice uh the the girl chipmunk that kind of goes with Chip and Dale so I mean there's a possibility he's been out there we'll have to kind of throw that out to the listeners to see if anybody's actually seen him I I have no knowledge of him ever being one
1: yeah if anybody has seen or has any pictures with him um I'd love to see it maybe he kind of appeared in Toontown at some point but I I have no idea
0: you know Grumpy's always in the parades that's that seems to be when I see Grumpy the most is he's always one of the key characters on the parade oh true
1: yeah yeah I I didn't even think about that Alright, the next email comes from Bill who said, Hey Lou, the show, like Walt Disney World, seems to get better with age. In one of your recent podcasts, you spoke briefly about the treehouse villas at Lake Buena Vista. I have fond memories of staying there during the 80s, and it was a great place to stay. But have you been there recently? I had the chance to play golf earlier this year at the Lake Buena Vista Golf Club. You get a good look at the old villas when you're there, particularly along the 17th hole. The current status is, to say the least, undisney like The buildings are still there, but they're abandoned and in a state of disrepair. Fallen tree branches are left to rot on the porch. You can walk right up to the buildings and look inside the abandoned, dusty furniture and stained mattresses. I know they've been that way for at least the past four years. Any word on what's going on there? Thanks, Bill. Well, Bill, I I know I've actually stayed in the treehouse villas before, too, and you want to talk about a unique place to stay on Disney property. Like you, I was very upset when they closed down, but they suffered severe hurricane damage um, back in 2003, 2004, Somewhere around there. And I know two years ago, I actually drove up. There was a security gate there, but I kind of got out of the car and walked around a little bit just to try and take some pictures um, before security came by and and, and whisked me away. Um, But from what I understand, they have started to work on some of them. And I do think they are using them for some cast members, maybe some international program cast members. I'm not 100% sure if that's still the case. Um, I I know some of them were were damaged pretty bad, almost beyond repair. So um, I have heard rumors of what they are going to try and do and and won't do there, um, because of some environmental issues. But obviously, as I hear anything more, uh, I'll definitely cover it on the show. Jeff, did you ever stay there, or have you seen the Treehouse Villas?
0: I've seen them. I, I never had the. I was never had the fortune to stay there, but I I had seen them a, a few times and uh, kind of a, took a look around at them when they were part of the. They were part of the Disney Institute, were they not?
1: Jeff, the next question comes from E. Scott Arnold, who writes, "Hey Lou, I recently discovered your show and really been enjoying listening to it. Usually here at work." while working I have a couple of comments from your recent show as for the distressed bird sounds in the Magic Kingdom I can tell you that they do exist I know for sure it is used near the turkey leg cart in Frontierland it doesn't play all the time I think it's used when the birds get particularly bad however I remember it well from my days doing parade crowd control I was a cast member at a lot of different places from 93 to 2002 you'll be there and suddenly the background music lowers and you hear the bird sound then the regular music returns See ya, E. Scott Arnold. Uh, Scott, thanks very much for sending that. And you're right, actually, when I was down on my uh, my most recent trip, we ate at, at uh, Akershus for the Princess Breakfast, and I heard it there. If you stand to the left of the Kringola Bakery and kind of that, that little walkway towards the seating area, it plays right there. So I, I guess it does play probably in all the parks. and Maybe you just have to kind of look for it or listen for it um, as to actually where it plays.
0: Well, I have a suggestion of where they need to play it, and that is the Starring Rolls Bakery at the Studios, because uh, we really like that particular spot. I'm um, getting like a quick breakfast in the morning, but they have a real bird issue there. <laughs> and, I mean, these guys—they're aggressive, <laughs> and we—we we happened to be there one time when uh, people at the table next to us decided to feed them, and it just turned into Alfred Hitchcock, uh, <laughs> big time. So, any cast members out there listening, can you pass that suggestion?
1: There you go. Next email is from Molly, who said, Lou, I'm a big fan of Disney and your podcast radio show. I just booked my next vacation to Disney World, and Disney was offering a free ticket upgrade for the water park options and what seemed to be a good price for the four nights and five days at a value resort. My friend and I started to go on the website to make our maps and figure out what things we missed during our last time at Disney. According to the Disney website, it says that both water parks are closed for refurbishment during the entire date of the promotional period this was offered. But I read on your website or a link off of yours that during off-season, Disney tends to alternate which ones were open, keeping one open at all times. I called Disney, and they said the same thing despite what the website said. Then the person also said that the upgrade would include the Disney Quest in the ESPN Sports Complex. Anyway, I was just wondering if you had any experience with this, etc. I don't want to be disappointed and think that Disney would offer a great deal knowing that patrons couldn't take advantage of the water parks. Thanks for reading, Molly. Molly, like you said, uh, from what I understand, they always do alternate one or the other, of the two water parks, Typhoon Lagoon or Blizzard Beach, um, during the winter months for refurbishment. Now, it may just be that maybe they didn't have a set schedule as yet when you check the website, so they had them both being closed. The website might not have been updated as yet. I know that happens quite often. Uh, it doesn't get updated as, as information comes out, and sometimes uh, people at reservations don't have that information as well. But as you get closer, I would call. I'm um, barring something out of the ordinary. I would expect uh, probably one of them to be open uh, during your time down lori in snellville georgia wrote and said hey lou my husband surprised me last week with a thanksgiving day stop at the magic kingdom it was the first time i'd been back to the world since discovering your podcast in late summer i had a great time showing my husband all i had learned from listening to you and all of your wonderful guests including jeff pepper the highlight of my day well except for watching the castle lighting which was spectacular had to be getting the chance to help a little princess find tinkerbell in the dresser drawer and tink's treasures Thanks for making our trips even more magical and for making it possible for us to spread the magic too. While doing a little Christmas shopping in downtown Disney, we saw the site for the new T-Rex Cafe. I'm sure it's going to be great, but my family has always thought about a House of Mouse restaurant based on the House of Mouse cartoon series would be a lot of fun. With the technology used in Turtle Talk with Crush and Monsters, Inc. Laugh Floor, wouldn't it be possible to create a restaurant that showed Disney cartoons with either audio animatronics or even actual interactive-based character hosts? You know, if that was ever an idea that was discussed, thanks for all you do, Lori. P.S. Almost forgot to tell you that I lifted a large spoonful of a No Way Jose as a toast in your honor during my perfect trip to fan-free Thanksgiving dinner at Beaches and Cream. Hope you get one of your own soon. Thanks, Lori. And Lori, uh, this is actually an email I get all the time. And Jeff, I, I know you being a huge animation fan, um, th- this might be something you want to speak to.
0: It, it is an awesome idea, and it's one that um, I've actually kicked around with some friends now and then, is the uh, an idea that we had thought would be a, a great idea, and there's actually real estate for it, is to do something like that, Do and a House of mouse idea would be great because it, it would tie into the show that was on, but they have so much room adjacent to Toontown. I mean, we, they talk of, there's always rumors swirling around about another e-ticket being at that end of things, end of the park there, you know, sort of in that area between Fantasyland and Toontown, so there's a lot of space there, and there's always people discussing the fact that we need more um, full-service restaurants in the Magic Kingdom, more options for dining, so you've got a natural fit for a character meal um, right there, so I, th- I think it would be a great idea, and I think it would, it would be a perfect fit in that end of the park, because as another aspect of it is, is on, on that side of the park, on the Tomorrowland, you know, Toontown, kind of Fantasyland side of things, there isn't a full-service restaurant.
1: Right, and I think, you know, I never thought about putting it in Toontown, but even, like she said, if it was in downtown Disney, I mean, think about, you know, because of the transformation that's going on there now, and it really is becoming a much more family-friendly environment, especially over at Pleasure Island, think about having a true family-friendly restaurant um, as a dining option down there. I know T-Rex is coming in, but this might be something to help bring additional guests over to Downtown Disney, um, and I'm not saying that they need to do that, but it might be a way to increase, um, you know, foot traffic um, or, around there. But I think the possibilities would be almost limitless. You know, being able to integrate so many different Disney characters and so many different technologies uh, into it, and I think it would be a home run.
0: And one what, what of the comments I get all the time, you know, via the blog and with people just talking to me about it, is you know because they bring it up because of my interest in animation, and I, I focus a lot on the blog so much, is there really isn't a lot of opportunities in Walt Disney World to see Disney animation, to actually see the old cartoons. And so, you know, that type of venue and, and putting it in, in that area in downtown Disney or Pleasure Island would, you know, you could have screens throughout the restaurant or club or whatever that could be constantly showing the old entertainment, and, and that would be a good fit, as you said.
1: Absolutely. definitely. So Mark and in Indy writes and said, Hey, Lou, love the show and all the hard work you put into it. I know that you either answered an email or talked about ECVs and wheelchairs in the podcast before, but I can't find the right cast. My mother will be joining us for a trip later this year, and she'll need to use an ECV, electric scooter, to get around. I know there are some at each park, but is she better off renting one from an outside source due to the high volume of visitors at that time of the year? And if so, do I have any recommendations? Thanks again for your hard work on the podcast each week. My wife and I eagerly await it. It's released each Sunday. Again, that's from Mark and in Indy. Uh, Mark, I've actually had a lot of personal experience with renting scooters down there. Uh, somebody in my family, uh, when they come down, does need an ECV. And we've rented in the parks before, and we've also rented from outside sources. And I've always liked going from outside sources for a couple of reasons. One, depending on the time of year that you go, if it's very crowded in the parks, um, you if you don't get there early in the morning, they actually could be all rented out. So you might be unable to actually get one. Uh, Then you, of course, have the problem with all the scooters looking alike when you have to actually, you know, come out of an attraction and you and your mom are walking to your scooter trying to find it. Just, you know, it's a little something else to have to worry about. Not only that, if one is delivered uh, from an outside company, they'll actually deliver it right to your resort. And now you have it for use not just in the theme parks, but all around Walt Disney World. Uh, You can take them on buses. You can take them on ferries. You can take them anywhere. Many of them are small and collapsible. Um, If you have a -a rent-a-car, it's very easy to put in the car. Now you also don't have to worry about, you know, that walk from the monorail ramp down to the Magic Kingdom, um, which may not sound like a lot, but for somebody that does have some mobility issues, uh, it is something that is a concern. And what I'll do is I'll put links up in the show notes to some of the sources that I've used before. They're all very, very good. You can call them up. Um, They can have it, you know, you don't have to call way in advance. Usually uh, you can call even relatively close to your trip, and they'll be able to provide one for you.
0: How do, how do the prices compare on that, Lou?
1: Well, in the parks, uh, wheelchairs are rented about $10 per day with no deposit. Uh, $8 a day if you do what's called a length of stay rental. Um, ECVs are $35 a day. You have to put down a $5 deposit. That, of course, is refundable. And again, those are in all four of the theme parks. You can also get it in downtown Disney, the marketplace and West Westside, um, at the resorts, at the Swan and Dolphin. Now, there's some of the outside companies. For example, one of them that I've used is Walker, uh, medical and mobi- mobility products. Uh, they have scooters that range from $30 a day to $39 a day. The more expensive scooter will accommodate a higher weight. Um, they also have wheelchairs. And I think they probably have two or three different types of scooters. You, know, you actually call them at one scooter and uh, they'll be able to answer any questions. And like I said, I, I've been very pleased uh, with their service. And, and they're just one of many of the, the scooter rental places um, around and that deliver to Walt Disney World next email comes from Dimitri, who writes, Hey, Lou, love the show and congratulate you on the great work you're doing. Keep it up. But I had a few questions for you, and I was wondering if you had the answers. My first question is, why did Disney change the spectro Men's faces in Spectral Magic? Do you agree with the change? If so, why do you think Disney would ever consider changing them back? I really love Spectral Magic, and my favorite part is the beginning with the spectro Men, or should I say, was. I haven't actually seen the new spectro Men in person, but from what I have seen, they're a big disappointment. My final question is, what's the number one thing you missed from Walt Disney World that you wish could come back? Thanks for all you do, Dimitri. All right, so let's handle the first part first, Jeff. Uh, He's talking about in the Spectro Magic Parade. The Spectro Men were these illuminated, white, clownish faces um, that cast members wore um, as part of their costume. Last year at some point, I don't remember exactly when, uh, they changed it. So now they're no longer a mask. They now actually put makeup on the cast members' faces. He's basically asking why they made the change. Do we think they'd ever change him back, and what do we think? Have you seen the new Spectro Men versus the old Spectrum Men?
0: No, I haven't. So I, I, I can't really venture an opinion on it. I've heard I'd heard about the change, uh, but I hadn't seen it yet.
1: I, I have seen it, and they're a little in, they're interesting, to say the least. Um, I really don't have a, a preference one way or the other. I'm sure it's much more comfortable that for the people... That have to wear it and don't have to have these, uh, you know, um, light bulbs in their costume up against their face. But um, he wants to know what's the number one thing you miss from Walt Disney World that you wish could come back. And if Horizons is your answer, you got to come up with something else. Uh,
0: 1975 Crisis. I'm <laughs> very good.
1: <laughs> what about um, what about by way of an attraction or a show or Treehouse Villas? I know I'm putting you on the spot.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's a tough one because there, there's so much, and, and I, 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 yeah, yeah I'd be built, I'm beating the dead horse again, but, um, and people are going to go, oh, God, we well can it, but Epcot, as it was in the 80s.
1: <laughs> you know, Epcot's 25th was so 2007. I, I know.
0: <laughs> okay, let's forget I said that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, uh, No, that's all right. uh, I mean,
1: uh, uh, I don't want to put you... uh, You know, I think, again, I I would probably say...
0: I could could give you a really good
1: one. Go ahead. I
0: could give you a really good one. um, Because it was so fleeting, but it was so cool, and that was the Mickey Mouse review.
1: Okay. Very good. Very good. I would probably say 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. I I have a, a real sentimental attachment to that ride. I remember... Looking forward to going on it with my parents. I totally, totally bought into the fact that we were going underwater, um, you know, a la Hydrolators, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I was also six at the time, so, you know, I kind of got a pass for that. But I, I just thought it was, you know, you felt like you were in a real sub, and, and I liked the movie, and, you, you know, it just it kind of had everything, everything uh, going for it. So um, I, I'm an old-time Magic Kingdom guy, so I'd probably go... Twenty thousand leagues.
0: I, I can throw in one more thing, and it's 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 probably reflects one of my favorite times of Walt Disney World, and that was 1989, and it was when the studios opened, and I really really enjoyed um, the first few years of uh, Disney MGM Studios. I really liked the backlot tour as it originally was, with all the, the movie production going on, and I do miss that aspect of it. I, I'm I wish that they would have kept up. And, and that actually brings me to the one thing that I now remember that I probably missed the most, and that is the animation um, studio that was there, that was the full working animation studio. Um, that, to me, was a great loss when they closed it down.
1: True, yeah, you know, I think the, the original studios, when they were a working production company, um, had just a, a, such a different feel to it. And not to take anything away from what the studios are now, but it just was a different park. Um, because of what you could see and what you could possibly see. That was part of the allure, was who would you see there, or what would you see going on, or, um, you know, could you see, oh, I hate, bad example, you know, Brittany and Christina. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. <laughs> sorry, it's all I could think of. Um, but you looked forward to possibly seeing a star there uh, because they did have those kind of events going on. So, um, and, and there was something very cool about, being able to see a working studio, you know, without having to go. I'd never been out to California before, so to see a, a real production studio was, was very exciting for me at a young age.
0: Yeah, and, and like I said, being the animation fan that I am, I mean, I so much so often physically saw, you know, Roger Rabbit cartoons being made. I mean, when, when I ultimately saw them up on the big screen, I had such a distinct memory of saying, I watched an animator paint that cell, you know, and that, right. that was really cool.
1: Yeah, it's, true. All right, a couple of quick questions. Jason from Washington, D.C. wrote into Lou, big fan of the show. Quick question. Is there a master list and photos of every costumed character in the history of Disney World? Also, is there a list of every active and rotating characters? Thanks, Lou. Love the podcast, Jason. Um, Jason, I'd be hard-pressed to maybe find, you know, an official quote-unquote master list of every character that ever appeared in Walt Disney World. As for current active and rotating characters, there are a number of sites that have... Official, unofficial lists that they've put together. I know if you are looking for a specific character and you go up to a cast member, they will find out for you where, uh, when, and if that character will be appearing in any of the parks.
0: It's it's funny when he asked because if you go back and look at photos from the, um, the early 70s when the park opened, you had Aristocats, um, you had... Um, a lot of Jungle Book. I mean, you had a lot of characters that were, pro- were very prominent coming off of the movies then that we just don't see these days. And it's, it's, it's interesting. So that, that it would be an interesting list to see.
1: Absolutely. And if somebody has uh, one of these resources or knows of some of the good resources, by all means, send them over to me and I'll put it up in this week's show notes. Here's another quick question from the D-Man who said, Lou, I'm getting ready to go to Walt Disney World during spring of this year, and I was just wondering what in Walt Disney World, how many places do not accept debit or credit cards, and if having money in the park is absolutely necessary, thanks sincerely to D-Man. Jeff, as far as I know, especially if you're staying um, on property and you have your key to the world card, I think even the, all the kiosks have a swipe machine and will take either a credit card, debit card, or your key to the world card. I don't think that you technically need cash really anywhere.
0: No, I think you're absolutely correct. Um, I am someone that walks around in life with probably less than $5 in my pocket at any given time because I've gotten so used to debit and credit cards, and I still sometimes have this vacation mentality that I need to be carrying some cash, and I found at Disney World there is not, I can't think of a single venue where you would absolutely have to have cash other than an arcade, and I don't even think the arcades you can still get away with swiping cards there to some extent so
1: yeah I was gonna say maybe the Frontierland shooting arcade um, do they have a swipe machine or do you have to actually put a dollar that might be the only place I could think of offhand yeah, you I,
0: might that that might be it yeah because yeah. I know in um, in the arcades at the resorts now they have the smart cards for the kids right and right. the big kids too you yeah. know for the, that stuff so
1: well cool thank you very much I'll be here all week um <laughs> Dave wrote and said, Lou, my question's about the All-Star Movies Resort. Last year we stayed at All-Star Music and the rooms were completely refurbished. You know, if Disney's planning a refurb for movies, we're going at the end of September 2008 and are currently booked at movies. However, we're so impressed with the new rooms at Music that we may change and stay there again. Thanks, Dave. Dave, I'm not sure um, when they're going to actually do any sort of uh, upgrades to the rooms at movies. They usually do these things kind of in cycles. So if they did... Music, chances are, movies is in the pipeline somewhere. Uh, You can check the Disney website to see if they have any kind of updates. Uh, I'll also check again. I'll also make some phone calls to see if I can find out anything further. But as you start to get closer, um, you can maybe call and see and and change a reservation if that's, you know, of all that importance to you. Figment Mushu on the forum wrote to me and said, We're coming to MouseFest in 2008 and need some assistance in the planning. So here's the questions. We're looking forward to your episode of staying off property. Do many MouseFesters stay off property when they come down for MouseFest? We're looking at last year's MouseFest schedule and wondering will this year's schedule be similar? About when do you guys start the preparation or the plans for how MouseFest will go? I know it's early and the fest is far from today, but we're the kind of people who believe in the earlier the better policy for a trip like this one. Keep putting the smiles on our faces. Um, Figment Mushu planning literally starts taking place... um, right after the last Mouse fest ends. Uh, people on the organizing committee already start kind of debriefing one another at as to what worked, what didn't work, what we'd like to change, what what may change, what should change or should not change. Um, as far as the schedule, it's far too early in advance to figure that out now. It has remained pretty consistent over the past number of years. I, I can't say definitively that it'll be the same way this year. Um, As far as Mouse Festers staying off property, um, I don't know. I I honestly don't know what the percentage of Mouse Festers that stay off property versus on property are. I know a lot of people like to stay on property just for the convenience, um, also getting in extra magic hours, things like that. But um, I do know that there is a large segment of the population that does stay off property. And yes, I will be doing a a full segment on the show all about your off property options uh, because it's something definitely that we should explore.
0: One thing, and one thing to throw in there, Lou, that I I heard you guys mention a lot prior to my going to MouseFest this year, and it's a really good piece of advice, is that if you can find a, someplace off property that is convenient, that's a good value, and you're happy with, um, definitely don't discount it, because as, as everybody has often said, you don't spend time in your room at MouseFest, and I, as a first time MouseFester last year, I can testify to that. It was basically, you slept you showered, you went out the door, and so a lot of people will say that you know a resort, you know staying on property resort is not a big key component of Mousefest and, and in that regard because you're on the go so much, it, it, that's very true.
1: Yeah, and and we'll explore this when we do this segment, but there are times even during Mousefest that staying off property might be a good idea. So for example, if you and your wife or husband, whatever, you want to go to a lot of Mousefest events, but you're with your parents and your young kids and maybe they're not all that interested in going to hear Lou talk about trivia. Um, You can, if you have an off-property resort um, where you are staying in a villa that has your own pool and your own entertainment room and all things like that, the kids and and the parents can get up later. They can make breakfast. They could spend a day there without having to worry about schlepping back and forth. And then when you're done with your events, you can come back get them, and then spend the rest of the day in the parks. But like I said, we'll we'll discuss this more um, in further detail when we actually get to that segment. Jeff, the next email is from Jay, who said, Hey, Lou, I'm a big fan of the WDW radio show and listen to it every week. It helps me get my Walt Disney World fix, and I definitely need it being up here in Connecticut. But anyway, I do have questions, and this isn't just me rambling. I'm returning to Walt Disney World in September. My last trip was way back in November 2000. Yes, I know it's long overdue, but I'm still really excited nonetheless. Do you have any suggestions as to how I can effectively navigate the world without being overwhelmed? Thanks and keep up the great work. Jeff Reed.
0: How long was he staying? Or he gonna stay, or did he stay?
1: Um Uh yeah, he Jay doesn't say how long he's gonna be staying for. Uh
0: that, that's that's kind of the broad question so many people ask and just as you just alluded to in an early, answering an earlier email, really do your research, uh, get in an unofficial guide, and really determine your priorities and which parks you really want to focus on. Um, my family and I, we tend to be a two-park-a-day kind of family. We, we're we not the type that wants to we'll just go to Epcot for a day or go to the Magic Kingdom for a day. We like to jump around and have a lot of variety in our days. And uh, the other big thing is determining the time of year you're going and do you want to do a lot of non-theme park activities, like do you want to do the water parks, do you want to do downtown Disney, and then just really get a good day-by-day plan, um, you know, fit your downtown Disney into the evenings when the parks might be closing early, um, you know, kind of schedule out your, your fireworks. A lot of times you'll go and the Magic Kingdom will only be doing uh, wishes on weekend days, and so you need to kind of Plan those things out. Whereas Phantasmic and uh, Illuminations are pretty much every night, so those are the kind of things to you know really look at because as if you haven't been in a while and you really want to catch, you know, maximize. Um, a lot of times, you know, I'll take for granted that you know I don't want to have to see Wishes every time I go because I'm going multiple times a year, but I forget that someone that hasn't been in a while, that's going to be a priority. So those are the kind of things I'll look at.
1: Yeah, we we can't stress enough planning. Even if you've been there before, you haven't been there now and. And coming up on eight years. And believe it or not, a lot has changed. And and for me, that's actually part of the fun. Um, Like Jeff said, you could pick up one of the uh, guidebooks like the unofficial guide. Um, There's a number out there to choose from. Something else you may want to do, too, is order the Disney Vacation Planning DVD. Um, You can go online. It's free. That's kind of a great little multimedia teaser to really kind of get you excited. That really highlights um, some of the things that are coming up. Also, look on the Travel Channel. And History Channel for some of the Disney specials; those are also great planning resources as well. And again, kind of also get you into that same you know plus level of being excited about your upcoming trip.
0: And uh, one thing to throw in, and it's 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 Lou and Lou and I my's mantra is that don't don't do don't go whirlwind. I mean, a lot of times you are trying to, to maximize your time, but don't do it to the point where you're rushing through everything. You know, we talk about slowing down and and catching the details and we hear from so so much feedback from so many people saying that even you know when they only have a limited amount of time by slowing down and really taking it easy and taking time to smell the roses as it were you know you get that much more out of your trip
1: absolutely so uh one more email comes from laura and she said hey lou long time listener first time emailer love the podcast we family of four i going to the world in March. I have 1 ADR booked per, per day for most of our stay. Going back to our last email planning ahead, but I was wondering if you had any suggestions for restaurants that we may get into without an ADR. I know we may have to leave the park and maybe go to a resort, but that's fine. How about making one suggestion for each park? Thanks for doing what you do. All right, Jeff, you could take it first, go in order starting with the Magic Kingdom. One suggestion for each park that they could probably get into in March without an ADR.
0: I'm going to say right off the bat <laughs> that good luck <laughs> and I, I don't mean to be cynical but um, we on our just on our recent trip we got there and we didn't do any ADRs in advance and as I mentioned you know we, we like BOMA and we got there on um, a Saturday um, first thing Saturday morning went into the point into guest service and says we want to get an ADR for BOMA and the only ADR we could get for BOMA was 9.30 on Monday night, our last day. So, the the ADRs are tougher. You know, we've talked a lot about the dining plans and everything, so I will throw that out there, that, you know, going in March, it's going to be one of the peak times with spring breaks and everything, so it, it will be tough to get, even get last-minute ADRs. Having said that, um, Magic Kingdom, I would say um, Tony's Restaurant would be a good choice. Um, we've done some walk-ups there, and have had relatively good luck. Um, Did did you want to go park-by-park, Lou? Yeah. What's your your pick for Magic Kingdom?
1: Believe it or not, um, I would actually throw something out there like the Plaza. And I know it's the smallest sit-down restaurant, but I think it's often overlooked, and I think a lot of people go right by it and don't even know that it's there. And I've actually had occasion where I've gotten lucky, walked up, and been able to be seated, especially if you're going... Again, somewhat in an off time, um, but again, depending if it's a holiday weekend, if it's a busy weekend for whatever reason, if it's spring break, you um, you you know you might have to be a little more flexible than usual about what time you try and just do a walk up. But it never hurts to just to ask.
0: And realize, too, that you could pretty much do walk up any time, and it's not like they're going to turn you away and say, absolutely not. Very likely, what they're going to do is they're going to give you a wait time, which could extend... You know, it could be as long as, you know, half an hour to an hour or whatever. But I think most of the time they will accommodate you. Has that been your experience as well?
1: I, I have had a couple of occasions in places like Rosen Crown, uh, La Cellier, some of the World Showcase restaurants where they had specifically said, no, we, we have no, we're not accepting any walk-ups. Okay. So, but it, it, they're few and far between. Right. They, they may give you a time that's six week out, but they'll, they'll give you a beeper and you can come back. So. Uh,
0: you know, one thing to just throw in, too, is uh, we've had really, really good luck with walk-ups in um, the studios. Um, for instance, uh, Primetime um, has been pretty good about uh, walk-ups. I mean, and, and when I say that, it's, it's typically we'll go up and, and it'll be very, very busy, but at the same in the same regard. It'll, we might wait 20 minutes to half an hour, but we've had good luck there. Um, Sci-Fi Dine-In... Um, for as popular as that can be, um, a couple times there we've done walk-ups and had had reasonably good luck as well.
1: Yeah, um, I'd probably say sci-fi or um, sometimes you get lucky at Mama Melrose's again because it's kind of tucked away in the back corner. It's not sort of on the you know beaten path where people maybe are starting to you know make their way out of the studios and say, oh you know what, let's stop and get something to eat. And Brown Derby's right there, and Hollywood and Vine is right there. So um, again, it, that- it's just a matter of getting lucky.
0: And actually, let me throw this out because, Lou, you've you've eaten there more than I have. But we walked right into Yak and Yeti, and I'm not sure how they're working yet. Are they doing ADRs for Yak and Yeti? But that was really easy. I mean, when we were there, I mean, we 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 went right at, right after like twelve when they had just started seating for lunch. But there was absolutely no problem getting immediate seating there. And I'm I'm I was curious because I didn't know how that was working yet.
1: I think that's going to change very very quickly. I think as the word gets out, and it's getting out, thanks to you know, the viral aspect like of the end. Inter- yeah, um, <laughs> you know, because we praise Yak and Yeti so high, and I don't obviously mean just us, but people in the online communities um, who have started to talk about it, and maybe you know, people who might see the name Yak and Yeti and say, "I'm not eating there," but um, find out what kind of dining experience it is. I think that's going to change very, very, very quickly.
0: Do they? Are they doing ADRs for? it?
1: Yes, they, they are. Okay. And uh, finally, what about over in uh, Epcot?
0: Yeah, Epcot's tough because, like like you said, um, doing the walk-ups around World Showcase can be a little bit tricky. But we've had good luck there with um, Germany Mm -hmm. and um, Mexico, surprisingly. Um, We we went into Mexico once without an ADR and didn't have any problems.
1: Yeah, Germany would have been the first thing on my list. Um, After that, maybe Morocco, uh, again, because... The type of food or the concept of what type of food is served there might throw some people off. Um, but there are some other places that, that are just real, real hard tickets. Chef de France, obviously Le Cellier, um, other places like that. You might even get lucky over at uh, Tepaneto. I haven't really heard from people what you know the throughput there is like and if people are, are able to walk up. So um, if anybody has any recent experience, by all means, please let us know. So... But, Jeff, I think that's going to do it for this week's emails. Fortunately, we were able to catch up on a lot. Uh, if I haven't gotten to your email yet, as I say all the time, I promise I will get to it. Um, I do have a lot more to get to, but by all means, please keep sending in your listener feedback and your comments and your questions. You can send those in to lou, L-O-U, at wdwradio.com. You can also call the voicemail and be on the air by calling 206-202-4WDW. You want to call from the parks, you want to call with a comment A suggestion for a segment on the show. Anything you like, we love hearing from you. Jeff Pepper from 2719hyperion.com. Glad to have you back, buddy. I look forward to uh, some upcoming segments that I know we have planned in the very near future.
0: Yeah, we'll get back into the swing here. Thanks for having me, Lou. It's always a pleasure.
1: Thank you for tuning in again this week. I hope you enjoyed the all-listener email show. Next week, I promise to return to my regular format and include not just Walt Disney World news and the rumor mill, but a variety of other segments, including an all-new DSI and more. I also have plenty more in store for the coming weeks and months, including more exclusive interviews that I'm really excited about, as well as some regular features that I haven't done in quite some time. Remember that if you want to be on the air... Email me to lou at wdwradio.com or call the voicemail at 206 202 wdw You can also discuss the show and anything Disney in our forums over at disneyworldtrivia.com. Just a reminder to visit the show notes page at wdwradio.com for links to some of my recommended sites and friends of the show, including Owner's Locker, where you can fi- sign up for their free trial offer and have your own personal secure locker delivered to and from your resort and for the best prices on official and authorized Disney tickets. You can go and visit OrlandoFunTickets.com. And also be sure you check out Ricky Briganti's Magazine.com and subscribe and purchase the new Orlando Attractions Magazine, issue 2. Should be almost uh, out by the time you hear this, so you can get more information over at AttractionsMagazine.com. As always, if you like the show, please review us on iTunes, and more importantly, please help spread the word and let others know about it. I want to thank you again for tuning in again this week. Hope you have a great week. See ya. Oh,